Kevin Dempsey, and I am here interviewing Tom, the guitar player and vocalist from Howling Giant. Hi, Kevin. How you doing, Tom? Good. Thanks for having me. So we're going to talk a little bit about gear today, and you know we could probably be here all day talking about gear, but uh, I'd like to really highlight a couple things. The, uh, the guitars Tom uses, um, some of these amps we have in back of us, and then we'll go to the pedals on the board here. So why don't we start and talk about this guitar that you're holding right here? Yeah, this is a Reverend Volcano RA. Um, it's pretty awesome. I guess I feel like I've always wanted to play Flying Vs. You know, when you're a kid and you see someone rocking out. Totally. You got to play the Flying V. So, um, yeah, finally got me one, and it's been great. Definitely a lot of fun in the live setting. It's kind of tricky when you're sitting down, but, you know, like we were talking about before, we'll just get the classical guitar kind of shred going on. It's yeah. pretty cool. Uh, what kind of uh, what kind of tunings do you use when you record with Howling Giant? Yeah, we tune everything in drop C, so everything's down a whole step, and then the lowest string is down an extra step. So, um, yeah, gives it that extra chunk. Um, yeah, super and cool. Gives that extra beef to all those all those riffs, and I, I feel like drop C kind of warms up the sound in a way that's standard. Um, not just being tuned higher, but it almost sounds brighter, especially when recorded, when playing live. So drop C is warmer and thicker, and I think kind of blends between bass and guitar really nicely. Does that affect at all the gauge of string you choose to put on there? Yeah. Um, so I used to use like 10 gauge strings through everything, but when I started playing in drop C, these are 12 gauge through 60 gauge is the lowest one. Um, and I use Diodario's. I feel like they've been the most tried and true. Um, but yeah, the 60 gauge is a beefy one on the end, but you got to have it. Got to have it for the Doom riffs. And, and I assume based on our conversation before, we we were talking a little bit before we uh, did this interview, and we were talking a little bit about pickups. Did you, uh, did you get that guitar as is, or did you switch out those pickups? Yeah, no, this is totally stock. Um, this came with the rail hammer pickups um, by, I think, Joe Naylor is his name, who works with Reverend as well. Um, yeah, they're awesome. On the low end, they have these two rails. Uh, that lets you kind of roll off what's called the base contour knob, which is down here. Kind of tightens up the, the low end chunk. I could try to play through that in a second so you can hear what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, these rails will kind of tighten up that bottom end. And then on the top, you have these big pins that are kind of giving your lead lines that extra beef. I think the problem with a lot of the rails when you're using just like a, almost like a hot rail by DiMarzio or something, they sound really good for the chugging kind of stuff, but that top end is just like super bright and brittle sounding. Um, so by almost like splitting the difference and keeping those pins, you're able to keep all of your lead lines really thick and um, 
while your bottom end is still pretty tight from the rails. So I can kind of show you what that's doing real quick. Yeah, let's hear it. So here's with just everything open. Um, I'm not using the base contour knob. This is just the pickups as is. Now if I roll the knob down, you can almost make I do it while I'm playing. I know there's a lot of fuzz going on, so it might be hard to tell, but it tightens it up for sure. Normal's definitely a quite a bit thicker. I, I don't know how easy it is to tell out there, but as a player, you can really feel that difference quite a bit. I think once you're playing at super loud volumes like I am with all these different like dirt effects going on, um, it does a lot more for the feel for me, and it kind of gives me a little more kind of clarity. But that being said, there's something about just the wide open pickups that I prefer to the tightness of it. I almost kind of want the constant like almost splatty feeding back sound it just makes a bunch of extra you know kind of noise which is a cool thing sometimes i think and and this i assume because you're holding it here is your main guitar as far as recording and touring with howling giant yeah this um yeah this is the main recording guitar and the main live guitar i do love i have the les paul out as well because i wanted to give it a little love today but um yeah this les paul is a 1980 standard that feels so good i always like to travel around with an extra uh guitar or make sure i have something else on hand whether you're breaking a string or or if you just want to switch it up um when i'm playing or writing it feels nice to just kind of change up the feel every now and then so i i will switch back and forth between them but i would say like 80 percent of the time i'm playing the flying v or the volcano ra rather and, and I feel like it might be nice right now because you're just showing some of the, the chugging capabilities on that guitar to maybe uh, dip into some lead lines and let's oh, hear that yeah, high end a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll just play. Who knows? I'll figure guitar yeah it's, it's definitely got a really kind of thick high end like i know I, that wasn't super high in register but uh, i like that I, I really don't get too kind of ice picky of a sound like it can mm -hmm. be i know sometimes that sound really works with a band but um I, I like it to be almost a little bit on the thicker thicker end of things um 
do you find being in a trio that kind of helps too just being able to fill your sound out a little bit more man being in a trio is just easier in a lot of ways uh i do miss being in a in a four-piece live band and we actually might start bringing some keys into the mix but especially being in other bands with multiple guitarists uh it's just such a double-edged sword it's it's hard to find your place kind of harmonically Mm -hmm. in a band when there are two mid-range instruments happening at the same time two guitars yep uh, and then you have to worry quite a bit more about like being perfectly in tune with each other. You have to really coordinate your your tones uh, so that you don't just have the same tone. Yep. Like someone needs to kind of almost fall into that rhythm slot and have those thicker kind of sounds, and someone needs to be just almost that lead role and keep everything really bright. Um, if you can figure out that balance, then that's totally cool. But notoriously, as guitarists, I think. I just want to do it all, you know? So it's it's nice to just have that freedom in a three-piece to just, like, I can play super thick and chunky, and then I can still go for the lead kind of solo and keep it all that creamy kind of sound. Um, Let's, uh, just because I'm, I'm really feeling them behind me here, I feel like we should talk about both of these amps you got, and I yeah. guess we got a couple heads to talk about, too, so where do you want to start? Yeah, I brought the extra Shaw, just to, I figured we better have it, because I use it quite a bit at home and use it for writing, but um, let's start with the one right behind you. Um, this is a 1970 uh, Marshall Plexi, basically, I think it's the JP or JMP or something like that, um, but it's awesome. You can't really see from that angle, but I'm jumping the channels. It has the basically four input jacks, two of them being kind of a rhythm, bright and dark, and then like a lead kind of bright and dark. So I'll kind of jump those, which helps drive that amp, and it gives it even more breakup. By doing that, I can kind of blend the dark sounds of the amp with the bright sounds. Being a Marshall, it kind of gets that really mid-rangey it can get really bright honestly even with the rhythm channel engaged uh that amp can just be super kind of squashed and bright which sounds great in a live setting with a band it's not a good practice amp like being at home just playing at low volumes it just doesn't do what you need it to do so to really get everything you can out of that you have to just crank it up like super super hot Uh, at least that's what i've found and, and those are hard to come by, too. Is there anything you had to do when, when you got that amp as far as switching tubes out or modifying it in any way? Oh, I thought you meant, like, shady back alley deals. Oh, no, it's just a What it's did a you have to Plexi. do to get this amp? <laughs> awesome amp. <laughs> uh, when, so when I got it, actually, I had to switch out the transformer. That was, I bought this from a place, and I don't know if they knew it, but someone had tried to switch out the transformer and they did not really do a good job. It was pretty blown out. So I actually brought it to Kevin Shaw, the guy who built these two amps, and he did a full kind of, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking over. He did kind of an overhaul, just took a look to make sure everything was clean and wired correctly. We switched out to a Mercury Magnetics, whatever their like Plexi Transformer is. Um, so yeah, this isn't like a collector's piece Plexi, you know, with that mod and swap out. It's maybe not something that like a collector would ever want, but it sounds great and it really gets that plexi sound, mm-hmm. which um, which I really dig. Granted, like I said before, I'm pumping it through so many pedals that it's you know here I can maybe get a real quick sound of just yeah. That let's one. let's just hear that one by itself. So here's just like the dry channel, no other dirt, and I actually have it kind of low in this setting, um, but 
doom, but it really gets you that bright kind of. It's a very classic rock kind of thing. It's an awesome sound, yeah. Um, but yeah, once I send it through the the gamut, and we can talk about that more. But you get some dirt on it. This is almost a kind of an overdrivey first uh, gain stage, which already gives it some nice chunk. And then I have it going through the hoof fuzz, which really squashes it. Uh, and on its own, it kind of sounds really squashed and angry, but uh, the way I'm using my two amps, they kind of both fill a certain role. And this amp's role is definitely the kind of lead, mid-range kind of sound. And then the Shaw, I actually use as like a really muddy, low-end, woofy sort of amp. Mm-hmm. Um, so on its own, we'll, we'll take a look. Here's what that fuzz sounds like through it. Which is still really nice. I love that, but it is very like you can almost feel how squashed that yeah. is. Yeah, but it's it's not overwhelming. You you really have mm-hmm. three distinct stages of your overdrive that I'm hearing through yeah, that, which is yeah. awesome. And that one really kind of showcases that. Um, also in the amp split, this one kind of does most of my lead work. I guess I have a delay hooked up only through that amp. I'm running both amps in stereo in a live setting, uh, but this one just has the delay. So that when I'm playing a solo, I can kind of run both of them. And this one's going to be the one that's kind of giving you those spacey sounds. And this one will stay woofy. But I can show you that more when we talk about pedals in a second. And, and how about these amps here? Tell us a little about yeah. Shaw. So uh, Kevin Shaw is a boutique amp builder from Lebanon, Tennessee. And uh, yeah, he's been doing a lot of the repair work on my guitars, but uh, he also builds these amps. And I actually met him by getting him to fix the Plexi. And after seeing the work he did on that and talking a little bit, um, we started talking about the amps that he builds. And I told him about the stereo setup design that I kind of wanted to bring into a live setting. And he actually had this, technically it's a bass amp. This is the Shaw B150. And... um, I told him I just want something like super boomy and woofy uh, just to play with the Plexi and the other amp. And so, yeah, he suggested taking the bass amp. Uh, I believe it's 140 watts. It's just a big old, big old boy. Let's take a look. So here's with nothing on it. Here's just open. Um, It's just super kind of clean but like definitely a dark sorry guys i'm way out of tune so then with the next layer of dirt just super muddy but just kind of helps fill out the sound and then I have that going through the Black Arts Toneworks Pharaoh Fuzz, which makes it even muddier. Let's take a look at that. hearing that dirt with those uh, happy chords in there too oh it's a nice yeah contrast i play way too many major happy chords we we technically kind of fall into the you know 
stoner doom world of, of heavier music, and I feel like we just play way too happy of melodies to I like it, almost though. make sense in there. Um, but yeah, if these two amps are together, it definitely gives you the full kind of spectrum, which is what we were hearing at the beginning. But... Yeah, so here's just the Plexi folder. Here's the Shaw. And here's both of them together. So it's definitely nice when they're both in there. And like we were saying before, as a three-piece, uh, you can really kind of get away with like having that super muddy kind of low end as well as the bright. You can just kind of cover the full spectrum. Definitely. In like a four-piece, you would almost want someone doing something like the darker sound and then someone just kind of handling mm -hmm. the bright. But because I'm in a three-piece, I get to do both. But yeah, anyway, those are the two main amps that I'm using and recording with. Like I said, the Plexi for the brighter stuff, the Shaw for the woofy low end. Um, but then on top, I just brought over, this is something I've been writing with and playing with quite a bit. Uh, it's the Shaw Tone Rod MG. This is an 8-watt tube head. And I just really dig it. Super simple with three knobs. Just has a master volume, kind of controlling those preamp tubes. Uh, you've got the tone, which is just, yeah, instead of having an EQ, it's just like straight up brightness. Uh, I wasn't sure how I'd feel about it, but after kind of using it and playing with it, I actually really kind of like just having the super simple just how bright do you want it you know um, and then you have your main volume which is basically controlling how hard you're driving those power tubes it's nice because when i'm at home i can find that nice balance of like um, getting some volume but still being able to push the tubes just by keeping the master down or a sound that i really like is actually driving the preamp tubes with the master quite a bit and then actually keeping the power tubes a little bit lower. I think with a lot of these gain staging and pedals, that actually sounds really nice to me, is just cranking that master. Maybe that's foolish, but it feels good at home. If it, if it sounds good, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's cool, man. I've been having a lot of fun with it. And, and you were saying, well, before we got on camera here, we were talking about that little amp, and you probably would never want to do this, but in, in a pinch, if you had to travel on a plane, you could actually use that as a carry-on, was what you were saying? Yeah, so I guess some people do fly with it, which is cool. They just stick it right under the seat. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I'd want to take it through the airport, but in theory, you could, which would be kind of awesome, just being able to fly and take it with you. We're not at that point as a band, though. We're definitely still piling in the van, bringing all the, all the big gear. Is there um is there anything noteworthy about both of these uh, cabs you're using here? Uh yeah, kind of. Th this one's just a kind of low end Marshall, you know, four twelve, um, but it gets the job done. But the speakers were swapped out to warehouse guitar speakers. Uh, I'm trying to remember what I have in there. I think I have the warehouse guitar speakers ET sixty five for two of them, and then the other two. I think it's their, what is it, the Warehouse Guitars, like, Veteran or something like that. Um, but it's a nice kind of pair between the two of them. I really like Warehouse Guitar speakers, just made in America. They're a little more expensive now, but they used to be super affordable, and they just sound really, really nice, uh, you know. I, I prefer them to, like, Celestians or 
some eminence I kind of dig, but I think I just kind of fell into the warehouse guitar speakers Mm -hmm. pretty heavily. Um, And so, yeah, so then this other cab also has the warehouse guitar speakers, ET65s. Um, But, yeah, this cab was built for me by a dude named Chad Davis uh, in Nashville, and it's just like a ported closed back 212. It's just loud as hell, but um, kind of works with the 50-watt Plexi. Again, kind of pushing those mid-range and bright sounds. I feel like having two speakers instead of four almost... Maybe it doesn't do anything, but I feel like it helps me get that almost squished brighter sound you know and especially as like a ported closed back it really forces that sound out so this amp is loud as hell yeah with with that one even just you know sitting here and hearing it every time you play i i feel it as a push but it doesn't feel overly aggressive i think it sounds really balanced and that probably comes through a little bit better you know since it's mic'd up here but yeah feel wise it's not bad just sitting in this seat yeah well i mean it definitely helps to have have the shaw when i was just playing the plexi it just it felt too thin for what we were trying to do um in howling giant we we almost try to like bridge the gap between the bass range and guitar range we'll do a lot of bass and guitar harmonies so being able to have some of that tonal spectrum bleed over into like bass territory is kind of nice especially for any of those like pentatonic fuzzed out low-end riffs you know mm-hmm. and and i guess i've been kind of curious about this the whole time because this is one thing we we didn't talk about uh pre-interview here but uh the pedals on your pedal board i've i've kind of watched it grow in your time in howling giant and i'm curious to see uh kind of what your layout is someone needs to stop me because i keep buying pedals uh there are more i could put on here but i think this is already too much someday i'll try to tighten it up but for now, here's what let's, I got. Well, let's start with your your necessities. Like, what do you have on all the time? What do you like to use no matter what at every gig? Yeah, so even though I have a lot of pedals on here, there are a couple just, like, key sounds that I always have on, and that's mostly the gain sounds that we saw. Um, so basically, everything's going to plug in and go through this volume control. Uh, it's going to go through the wah, and then it goes through the exotic effects AC plus. The AC plus is what gave it that first gain stage. So that's I would say that's the first like necessity pedal for the tone. Um, here's without any of that first gain stage. This is no exotic. Just still nice, very classic rock, clean. But you add that, and it just feels to me like such a nice mid-range overdrive. Just kind of gives it that little extra. So I like to start to break up the signal with that. Um, But then from there, it goes into the big shot ABY, which is actually what's splitting my channel. So that's where my signal changes direction and one specific signal is going to the plexi and the other one is going to the shaw so through the plexi i had that earthquaker devices hoof um so here's that guy again but then going to the other channel i rock the uh black arts Toneworks pharaoh fuzz Uh, 
Um, so my core tone is probably those gain stages. That's what's always going to happen. And with both of those on, it's just like this massive thickness. Um, yeah, so those are the core dirt stages. The one last thing that always happens is right here. Um, this was a pedal built by, again, Kevin Shaw. I just told him about the stereo rig and, and said I wanted basically a looper pedal, if that makes sense. I wanted to be able to turn on or off both of the fuzz pedals with one click instead of live having to be like a, you know, quick stomp. If I just hit that one button, that's basically rerouting the signal path so I can avoid those fuzzes or like reroute it. I was wondering about that. So basically each one of those overdrive pedals is designated for a specific sound and a specific amp mm -hmm. that you use. And often you'll blend both of them. Or yeah, yeah. Off. So I can blend both of those. But then, yeah, where this pedal comes into play is just letting me turn them both on or both off. Um, but yeah, they're, they're very much designed to have different functions with my playing to kind of almost give that four-piece guitarist kind of sound with just me controlling it. Um, so yeah. That's what's pretty much always on. And then the only thing I really tend to manipulate from there are the types of like delays that I'm going to use for lead lines. And then mm -hmm. if I choose to use like a wah pedal or not. And, you know, usually the answer is yes. Yeah. Well, I, pedal. <laughs> that one I think I've always seen on your board. It's, um, it's something that every guitar player should have. You know, it's a big part of the sound in your scene for sure. Yeah. The, uh, the Vox. The Vox Wah was the first pedal I ever owned after the Boss OD1. What is the classic orange? That's the uh, that's the orange one. I think that's uh, that one they say is their distortion, and then the yellow one is their overdrive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I had the yellow one myself. You did? Yeah, I like that Man, one. Man, I feel like everybody had the orange one, like... Did you ever? You never owned the orange. I think OD1? I saw somewhere in this house. I think I do now, actually, but mm. I've never used it on a gig. I just kind of have it. You know, it's a weird pedal. I feel like that was so many guitarists' like first distortion pedal, and I mean, I I don't really like it per se, but I have been so surprised before to like actually hear some people like rock that really, yeah. really well. Oh, totally. You know, and even. 15 years ago when we both started playing i think the pedal world was so different than it is now we are i mean just looking at this board here oh, we're kind of in a golden age as far as new pedals go well and pedals are just so fun man it's it's so easy to fall into just wanting to collect them like when it comes to fuzz pedals i just want to keep buying them the, the other one i have on here that i actually don't use much live is the russian big muff uh that is just such a rad and iconic fuzz pedal. I actually have that running through so that it can be pumped through both amps. Here, let me let me play that real quick, just on its own. It already sounds like a jet plane's coming in. It almost gets like, especially if you do the middle pickup setting, it gets that almost synth-y kind of sound. Mm -hmm. It's very like truck fighters or like early queens of the Stone Age. Um, 
It sounds so good. It, it's been hard to get that to really fall in the right slot for the band, unfortunately. It just it blends really nicely with bass, but it almost gets too muddy. So this is actually more of a pedal that I have on just for fun, like when I'm home jamming, especially through like this guy. Uh, playing the, the Russian Big Muff is awesome. Also, it's just a little talking point, you know? I, After I a show, fans always that, ask yeah. about that, and I'm like, they're like, oh, man, you got the Big Muff. I felt like as we were going from this end to this end that's closest to me, we, we kind of blew by that. So Yeah, we skipped past back. it. It's on there. Um, I just don't use it a ton for Howling Giant, but... People do ask quite a bit, like after a show, they're like, oh man, it's so sick that you have that. And I'm like, yeah, I, I didn't use it, but it's awesome. <laughs> I <laughs> it love it. It looks good on there. It fits. Yeah, it's super cool, man. I mean, it's it's definitely one of my favorite pedals, just not one that tends to find its spot in Howling Giant quite enough. And it might more in recording going forward. Honestly, I hope I do use it more in recording stuff. So after after you get through these here, are... Are these all delays that you have? or um... So I have two delays on there. Um, the main one that I'm going to use is this Catalan Bread Echo Rec. Um, that one's actually just going through the Plexi. And that is usually just my lead solo kind of sound. I find that just pumping the delay through one amp lets me just keep that just straight almost dry guitar solo happening that way you can get those spacey delay sounds but it's not like completely washed out from just pumping the delay through both so i tend to use that the most it's really cool i kind of use some of the more basic functions though like it's got all these different um kind of time i don't know what the word i'm looking for like patterns instead of just doing a classic like pew 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 sure like you can do the dotted eighth or yeah, something like exactly. that and they're yeah. super cool but just like really hard to use in a live setting almost for me so i tend to just keep it on the basic one here's that basic one just and washy and that was actually through both amps so it's you know it's kind of nice having just one not giving you the delay again it's a balance thing um but yeah so that's that's the main one i'm going to use the other one i have on here i'm kind of experimenting with it's pretty new for me still but it's the earthquaker devices avalanche run that one's cool because it's a it's a reverb and delay and it's really cool but because it has both functions i find it's even harder sometimes to not just completely wash out your sound but it's really nice i have that hooked up to this expression pedal so i can kind of use the expression pedal to i think right now i have it set to the feature that raises the actual delay in the mix and if i have it off it's just like reverb so here's with just reverb and it's very canyony kind of You can like hear that ring. That's through. almost like a church organ. Oh, you know, man, feeding it's cool. back So I want to mess with that more. I haven't done a ton, but as I step on the uh, expression pedal, I think it actually brings up the level of the delay itself. That's with it all the way down, so...
kind of roll that back to find something more manageable, but but I'm still I'm still kind of trying to find out how I want to use that for what we do. I I like having these on because they're fun for me, but yeah, um, like I said, it's just uh, I'm still kind of figuring out and learning how to use it in the full band, especially live setting. So, uh, yeah. And I'm assuming the journey always continues for you with pedals. You're always going to be swapping some things out there. Yeah, I mean, I I would love to say that I just got it figured out and nothing will ever change, but I think the addiction to collecting pedals just is going to be a thing that I always have to struggle with, you know, is trying to buy stuff and then swapping it out. Yeah, but that's the fun of it. Is there uh, there anything else you want to highlight about whether it's guitars, amps, pedals, gear in general? Man, I think that was pretty much everything we had going on. Yeah, that's pretty much the tone start to finish. Yeah, just running both of these, and then, yeah, mostly just the pedal setup. I think that's it. That's great. Well, play us out a little bit. I want to hear more. Oh, man. I don't know what to play. All right. No pressure. (laughs) 